Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And we are coming to you live from beautiful, sunny Las Vegas. Oh, my goodness, the weather could not be more perfect. And you know what could make it even more perfect? If the bulk of our listeners were right here with us. But you know what? You are right here with us, audibly speaking. But if we just had our own little arena or something... Uh, We can always wish on that. But listen, we have you, hopefully, as many of you as possible, listening to us by way of our podcast and also of our radio show that airs on uh, KSHP 1400 Radio right here in Las Vegas every Saturday from 12 to 1, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time. And that will, uh, of course, be tomorrow, and we'll have a different show. But for tonight, right now, we have two guests. We are, of course, here, Academy Award Oscar Week. Yes, everybody's all abuzz, uh, people who are in the film industry, television industry as well. It's Oscar Week. It's always a, a good buzz here. But we have guests who are really kind of sort of having their own Oscar uh, type of celebration in honor of their film. And I'll tell you more about those two very multi-talented ladies in a minute. But first, let's get to our first guest. He, You've seen him in action on NBC's hit show, The Voice. We're talking about Pete Morose, and he is on Team Blake Shelton. This is his second time being a guest with us. So we saw Pete earlier this week during the knockout rounds. He and uh, his fellow contestant uh, there, Andrew Marshall, uh, they were kind of duking it out there, and Pete did his thing on the song Before You Go by Louis Capaldi, and Andrew did his song I Won't Give Up by uh, Jason Mraz, and so it was, a, it was a battle, it was a knockout, and so Pete kept it advancing on, and so did Andrew, because he returns uh, to Team Nick, so anyway, it, it's, it, it's, you know, you've seen the show, you know what it's like, it's a fun show, serious show, especially if you are a singer there, but Pete is always a delight to chat with. For those of you who have not kept up with the season of The Voice, season 20, we've been talking with con- contestants from The Voice since season one when they first, first started. So we have a long history with talking with uh, those very talented contestants. Now, Pete Morose, he and Blake Shelton met, oh, what, 20, whatever years ago? Yeah, neither one was famous. Blake was, you know, like a lot of musicians that come to Nashville or or wherever. And so Pete and Blake were uh, a part of, they were kind of like a songwriting group because there were a lot of songwriters 
uh, that meet up and live in Nashville. As a lot of you know, I used to live there. I lived there a lot, long time, about 15 years to be exact. But Pete uh, went on to do his thing. Blake, of course, went on to become Blake Shelton, sexiest man alive. But now they have reunited. Blake is uh, his team coach there. So they do have a history, and we love talking with Pete Morose because he has such a vibrant personality in addition to being a very talented singer and live performer. He does some great live shows. So um, I had the opportunity to talk with him on yesterday uh, because, you know, they are in rehearsals and such and getting ready for next week. So before we get to our second set of guests, let's roll it with my chat from yesterday with Pete Morose, who is one of the contestants still in the running on The Voice, and he is on Team Blake Shelton to chat about what is it like working with Blake and what is it like being in this phase of The Voice and what is it like of what he's going to do to continue to compete on the show. So what is the strategy and all of that kind of great stuff. It's a lot. We're going to squeeze a lot into a short amount of time. So let's roll it with my chat from yesterday with The Voice contestant on Team Blake, Pete Morose. Let's roll it. Hi, Pete. Once again, we meet up, and you're still in the running on season 20 of The Voice. Congratulations. I'm still in it. Still in it. <laughs> you're in it to win it, for sure. That's right. Well, Pete, we, we know the whole world saw you during the knockout rounds go up against uh, your fellow compadre there, uh, Andrew Marshall. Uh, I Won't Give Up was a song, so... What was that like for you? To go up against Andrew singing that song. Well, first of all, wasn't it funny that he, he was singing a Jason Moran song, and my last name is Moroz, and Moran, like we've got like these two names that are so odd, but yet similar, aren't they? Aren't yeah. they now? Very aren't much. They? Very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was uh, you know, I, I think I've said this to, to other people that, that was probably the, like I heard Andrew sing and during rehearsal, and I thought, "Wow, this guy's got a really great voice. Cool. We're gonna see how this one goes down. Like, we'll see how it shakes out, you know." But uh, he did a great job. I thought he sounded awesome. He's a, a, Andrew's a young, up and coming artist. That's it's great to watch the the young the people carrying the torch like that to to sing like that. So what was it like, you know, you you mentioned that Andrew is, is only 21, you're 45, so was there any thoughts with you like, wow, this guy is like uh, half my age here, or, or what? No, hell, everybody is, aren't they? <laughs> no. Everybody on the show is. I, I, I could be everyone's dad, so no, I don't, I, I honestly, I, I don't, uh, I really don't think about it too much. You know, I, I'm just really impressed with the age of the people here and how confident they are without a ton of experience. It's super neat to watch because when I was 21, I would have been a hot mess. I would have been a wreck, you know? So it's it's really cool to watch. I mean, we've got like 
I think, I think like 16, 17-year-olds, like, man, when I was 16 and 17, I wouldn't have been able to do this. I, I mean, no way. So I, I, hats off to them. So since you are one of the, as we say, veteran uh, performers on this season, do you have or have you had any of the, the younger singers come and ask you for advice? Because you have such a wealth of actual live performing experience behind you. So has that happened? Yeah, they have. You know, it's, it's been kind of funny. I, I feel like I'm like this removed coach in, in the show where certain artists will say to me, hey, man, what do you think about this? And, and what if I sing it like this? And how, what are you thinking when you go on the stage? You know, one thing I've told several people, they ask me about nerves and stuff, and I say to them, hey, just think about something that has nothing to do with this. Like, think about your, kind of like a happy Gilmore type thing. Think about your happy place. You know, think, think about that place. And then the other thing is I tell them, like, wiggle your toes and feel your feet on the stage. Like, literally, just wiggle your toes in your shoes and feel the stage. Because that, what that does is it makes you present. Definitely, definitely. You know, it, it brings you, yeah, it brings you back into reality. Well, to further speak of getting good advice, what did your coach Blake Shelton say to you uh, about performing uh, last few days ago? I mean, what what were some final tips that he said to you before going into the knockout round? Yeah, Blake's advice to me right before I went to the knockouts was, you know, watch your endpoint. I was having a, a little bit of difficulty hearing the intro to the song because uh, Louis Capaldi's a Scottish gentleman, and so Scottish music has a different rhythmic cadence to it than music that you're used to hearing, really, because usually it's a one and a two and you come in on the one. And this one was more of a kind of floating coming in on the two, which is – a lot of people might not know that from not singing or, be, or playing music, but it's a difficult kind of thing. And I'm not used to doing a rap type thing. That's why it was really cool that Snoop Dogg was there also. How ironic is it that, I mean, it, one, it's Snoop Dogg, and that two, like the beginning of my song is kind of like a sort of rap in this melodic way. And... You know, Snoop said to me, he goes, it's kind of like this, little homie. <laughs> he, said, he goes, I, he said to me, I fell by the wayside like everyone else. I hate you, I hate you. I was just kidding myself. And I was like, oh, my God. Snoop Dogg just rapped Louis Capaldi to me in front of all these cameras. <laughs> Only on the voice will you do that. So here you are, Pete, you know, you're, you're sandwiched between these two musical icons with two different styles and genres, and there you are getting advice from both of them, and it worked beautifully. Well, thank you. Yeah, how lucky am I? Yeah, oh, I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable. Just totally. Okay, so what did Blake have to say to you after you won and the cameras were being folded and put away. What did he have to say about your performance? He, he, he just gave me a good good job, buddy. Oh. Like, you did it. You, you pulled through on that one. Because that, I, I'm telling you, it's not an easy song to sing. I don't, you know, hats off to Lewis Capaldi. Like, it's an amazing song that really you have to just go there. And, you know, I was watching, see, I didn't get a chance to 
to see his reaction as close because I'm on stage. So when I watched it on TV, I was watching Blake, and I could tell he was really, like, watching me, like, don't mess this up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, was, it was cool to watch him, like, really concentrate versus kind of be, uh, you know, silly Blake, you know what I mean? Or, you know, where he's just kind of joking around. It was, it was neat to watch that. Well, now that you've proven to the world and yourself that you can do some songs with, that have rap styles in it, do you think you will use <laughs> before you go as a part of your repertoire in the future or what? Or other rap? Uh, I, I'm going I'm to go with that's an amazing song. And, uh, yes, Louis Capaldi wrote an amazing song that's beautiful. Okay. Well, you, again, you pulled it off, so you, you showed a lot of people that you're diverse. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. I, I, I hope that's. I, I hope I, I pulled it off. I made it safe. As they say in baseball, safe. Safe, exactly. <laughs> well, okay. So as you continue and forge on ahead, um, can you share with us a little bit of, of your strategy, or what are you thinking, or do you have any strategy? Are you just gonna walk out there and just do it, or what? Uh, no, I mean, the, the main strategy is, this sounds going to sound very one-on-one and cliche, but the, the strategy really is just be me. Um, I'm just going to be who I am and be as honest as I can with whatever song I choose or Blake chooses, whatever they give to me, I'm going to do it just the way I would do it and because that's all I can do. You know, I'm not... I've kind of passed the stage in my life of trying to say, okay, what's popular? What do people want to hear? Versus, hey, I'm just going to be me, and if you if you want to hear me and listen, that's awesome. Like, cool. And if you don't, that's cool, too. Like, I get it. Like, you know, everyone's got their own flavor, and that's the thing. There's so much music and love out there. It's like, hey, I'll take what I can get, you know? So... I would say honesty is my strategy. Just be as honest as I can, and I am going to play guitar the next one, go back, because the last couple songs I haven't got a chance to play my guitar, so you'll really get a chance to, to watch me do what you would see outside the show. Oh, wonderful. Well, have you had a chance to, uh, have you got any uh, social media messages or texts or anything from, because you, like I said, you've been performing for a long time. You've performed with a lot of top names. So any congratulations or anything from any famous names that you've once shared the stage with? Uh, Blake has, like, sent me some really nice messages online. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman gave me a great Shout out, oh, wow. which was amazing. That was like totally unexpected. Like, wow, that really surprised me in a, in a, in a way. And the main thing I would say, maybe not just celebrity, I am really blown away by the love and support just from everyone in general, um, whether they're young, old, whatever, wherever they live in the in the world, really. It's been really cool to read the messages and feel the energy and the love from people. And it really propels you in ways that you can't do yourself. I mean, it gives you uh, something that by yourself you can't do. And they say, like, you know, there's powers in numbers. It takes a village. And I get it. You know, this is what I'm what I'm feeling from people. And my last question is, oh, 
Okay, let's say it's, you, it's, it's over. You are the winner. You're the voice of season 20. Have you thought about what are you going to do with all that money? <laughs> my son has. My son <laughs> says he wants to go to Disney World. Oh, goodness. <laughs> my son said to me the, the other day, he said, it's, it's so sweet. He goes, Daddy, I want you to win the voice. And I said, oh, Coop, that's sweet, buddy. Thank you. He goes, so you can take me to Disney World. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I, said, I said, now, Coop, wait. Do you want me to win the voice? Or do you want me to win the voice so I can take you to Disney World? He said, so you can take me to Disney World. Oh. <laughs> oh that's so, I mean, you, you just you can't turn that one down. You just can't. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, just for that request alone for your sweet little son, yeah, you got to go to Disneyland. you got to. Yeah. you just got to. you got to go to Disneyland. Either way it goes, you got to. Well, Pete, again, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. This is our second chat together, and hopefully the next time we talk, maybe you will be on your way to Disneyland with your son as the winner. It's me. 
So uh, it's a full-time job, trust me. I believe you. <laughs> and he also, everybody, has a really cool website, PeteMoreau's.com as well. Okay. Yes, ma'am. We've got yes, it all covered there, Pete. So uh, we'll, we'll stand by Thank and you. tune in next week to see what happens. Come on, let's see. Thank oh. you for your time. I really okay, absolutely. It. Have a great weekend now. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Pete Morose. As I told you, he is such a delight, even away from the stage and the music. He's he's got you know, he's one of those people who you just don't mind talking to and puts you in a good mood with his just his personality. Plus he's a very talented singer. And so we wish him all the success. Continue to forge ahead on the voice. That is one tough show, but uh Play. somebody's got to win it and it might be Pete Morose. and make sure you say hello to him go to his website PeteMroz.com and then you, of course you can find him just Google or not say Google but Facebook, Twitter uh, Instagram his full name and you will find his links right there say hello to him let him know that you're cheering him on as he makes his way through on The Voice Okay, when we come back, we will have our next set of guests. Just a reminder that you're listening to Film Festival Radio with me, Janice Malone. We'll be right back. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, and we are at the beginning of Oscar Academy Awards weekend. Yes, the 93rd annual Academy Awards will take place on Sunday night. It's going to be a doozy. Uh, one of the films that is nominated for 10 uh, awards is Mank, and we had uh, one of the actors, uh, Sean Persaud, on our show earlier this week. But anyway, tune in, lock it in on ABC. Everything happens Sunday night about the Academy Awards. But we have two very multi-talented uh, actresses, filmmakers, as well as writers, producers, and directors, and they are having their own big celebration about their new film, the current film that is being honored and premiered, premiering earlier, it depends on what time zone you're in, but the World Fest in Houston is the World Fest Houston Independent Film and Video Festival, and their film is titled Life after you. I'm speaking of Florenza Lozano and Sarah T. Swab. They are my next guests. And so let me tell you a little bit about their film. As I said, it will be making its grand premiere at the World Fest uh, there in Houston, which is 
where I grew up. I happen to grow up in Houston there. So this film, Life After You Has, is on website. If you'd like to see the trailer, get more details, there's a lot of very helpful information on that website. The website is lifeafteryoumovie.com. Please go visit it. Look at the trailer and just look at all of the helpful information that they have on there. Now, uh, of course, the ladies will tell us more about the film, more in-depth information, but I can tell you that this film, Life After You, was based on a book. And the film is is uh, also based on a true story. It centers around a suburban family struggle with the unfortunate and untimely death of their 19-year-old son uh, following an overdose of heroin that was laced with fentanyl. Oh, it's just so tragic. Uh, but the film is currently making the festival rounds. As I said, it will be premiering at World Fest Houston later on this evening, depending on what time zone you're in. And it is being considered for a Remy Award. Uh, it's already made its uh, acceptance at the Sarasota International Film Festival and the Nice International Film Festival, of course, over in Italy, received a lot of nominations for the Nice International Film Festival. And for tonight, let's see, will this movie, Life After You, bring home the World Fest gold in all of the top nominations? I mean, they're in the top categories where they're nominated. But uh, let me tell you just a little bit more because we're waiting to bring the ladies online. Florencia Lozano, she co-wrote, produced, and stars one of the principal stars in life after you, and um, she's just does an amazing job. She's such a, an accomplished actress in her own right. And of course, Sarah T. Swab, she directed, produced, and co-wrote the film uh, Life After You, the film version. As I said, it is also uh, a book. And that was a, obviously, it's a large job when you adapt a film from a book. So we're going to talk with her more about how, where did she begin to tackle? Uh, I've often wondered how do writers, they, you see a book, it's already a hit book. It's like, okay, how do I make this a hit film? It's, it's, it's talent is what it's called. But anyway, uh, both Sarah and Florencia are, on our other line, waiting to tell us more about uh, the film and all the happenings. I can only imagine with a big world premiere of a film how busy they must be, not only tonight, but really all of this week, but especially earlier this evening, yesterday, all of that. So let's bring both ladies on, Florencia Lozano and Sarah T. Schwab, as they give us I'm going to just ask them a million questions. I know they're busy and they have to get back uh, to the festival and such, but I've got my million questions that I'm going to try to squeeze into a 15 to 20 minute time slot. Now, you know how we do it. You know, I ask a thousand questions. I managed to get them all in. So uh, they are on the other line. So let's bring them on right now. I know I'm sure we'll have a good connection, technically speaking. So let's bring the ladies on right now. Well, anyway, let's get started here. Uh, you ladies, uh, the uh, the actress and the writers, creator, directors, all connected to this new film, Life After You, which will make its worldwide premiere at the World Fest Houston Independent Film and Video Festival. <sighs> it's a long title. 
And uh, that will be tonight. <laughs> it's a long one. Tonight, 7.15 uh, Central is when the, the screening will take place. So um, we were talking earlier before we start recording here. So is this the first time that either one of you has uh, attended or been connected to the Wolfest Film Festival there in Houston? I worked on a short film project, uh, which was done in 2016, called A Tree, A Rock, A Cloud, and it was Karen Allen, the actor Karen Allen's directorial debut uh, for the short, and they actually got into World's Best, and so uh, we didn't come here for that project, but she won a Remy for for that short film. That's my only experience with World's Best and just heard everything about it, knew that I wanted to to be part of their history. Fabulous. And so now you you are back again with um, Life After You. So let's talk about the film Life After You. So whomever would like to start first, what is the storyline? I do know the storyline uh, is based on a true story pertaining to uh, the on, fortunate problem of uh, opioids and just drug addiction that is just running like crazy here in this country. So what exactly is the premise and the synopsis of the film like after you? Well, uh, let me just hop in here real fast and say um, Charlene Giannetti, who is um, one of the producers on the film, is a journalist, and she interviewed Linda Latterman who lost her son, Danny Latterman, in 2014 um, to a heroin overdose. Um, that It was heroin laced with fentanyl. And Linda, um, understandably, was at a loss uh, as to what, how to proceed. Um, she and her family were um, completely in the dark about her son's, um, he was 19, and he had been using secretly. Um, they don't know how long, but um, they found him in his bedroom um, dead. And so what Linda did was one night, um, a few months after the um, overdose, her son's overdose, um, she wrote a sort of creed occur on Facebook. Um, and it was basically, uh, you know, her, her, shouting into the void, like, how can this happen? Do not let this happen. There are drugs out there, um, especially with, with everything that's been happening with the pharmaceutical industry where people have been um, uh, hoodwinked to become addicted to um, certain over-the-counter drugs. And then, uh, and I say hoodwinked just because, you know, at first, they were um, billed as non-addictive, um, which they absolutely are, oxycontin, oxycodone, all of those things. Um, and then um, uh, when, when people couldn't get that stuff um, or when it stopped working for them and they needed higher dosages, um, they, they would buy heroin on the street. So there's, there's so much more uh, heroin out there and heroin laced with all kinds of things. And, and that's how Danny sort of fell victim to, um, I mean, that's how we're guessing he, he fell victim. It's not like he had any injury or anything that, that led him down the path to, from, uh, from pharmaceuticals to heroin. But he, he did, um, 
he did fall victim to the fact that, you know, that drug is now very wild, widely um, popular and common um, as, a, as a drug you can buy on the street for, for very cheap. So we guess that he was experimenting with drugs and, you know, didn't mean to die. And um, Linda was so horrified by the fact that kids right now, um, you know, kids who oftentimes, you know, don't understand that when you're, you know, when you, when you risk your life uh, and you end your life, you, there's no going back, you know. Um, oftentimes teenagers don't understand mortality in the way that an adult brain can really wrap our heads around it um, as, as, you know, as, as best we can. Um, death is hard to understand, but teenagers certainly have a more limited understanding um, of the finality of making a choice that may end your life. So she, yes, she wrote this, this post on Facebook that went viral. She ended up writing a book called Life After You, which is really, a, you know, um, a warning to kids. You know, this is what happens after you, um, after you make that kind of mistake. This is what happens to your family and the people you leave behind. And Charlene was um, so taken by the book that Linda had written that she came to me. She knew my acting work, and she wanted me to play Linda in a movie. And we um, set to not so much adapting Linda's book for a movie, but, um, but telling the story of, of Danny and of Linda and her husband, Tito, and their son, Michael, and their son, uh, Andrea, and, and what happened um, to them um, after, after Danny overdosed. Wow. Well, now, Sarah, I understand that, um, of course, you, uh, part of your job, you adapted the book into a film. Uh, so this is such a strong, powerful story that's just written each day here in America, uh, these yeah. tragedies. So how did you go about tackling putting this from book form to film form? Yeah, unfortunately, the pandemic has only exploded since uh, since COVID, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the opiate crisis has only exploded since the pandemic. Um, and in terms of the book, mm -hmm. uh, it's, as Florencia said, it's more of a warning uh, to kids and to adults. Um, what Florencia and I decided to do as co-writers was to actually take the real-life story of the day that it happened um, and go on from that. So it's really a story about the grieving process of the uh, mm -hmm. Lattermans, of the actual Latterman family, mm -hmm. and finding out the questions of how this happened without them knowing who was responsible for it? Is there a who? And how can we get the message out there that this is dangerous and, and, and what do we do about it? So what we really did is adapt the true life story rather than the book um, of the, the Latterman family. And so was the Latterman family involved in the putting together of the scripts or did you or they act as consultants or what? Oh, absolutely. They yeah, they were, yeah. They were part of the conversation the whole time. Great. They were. And, and, and we did add things that didn't happen to the Lattermans. We added um, a, a story element. We, 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 we used it as a springboard. You know, we took artistic license and, and imagined 
what it would be like for this family and what are the journeys they all go on separately because as much as this family is a very close family and they are as much as any family can be close the Lattermans are close and they they had a lot of love and communication in their family what happened after Danny died um, uh, threw them all into such uh, a severe state of um, despair and loss that they had to find their way back to each other and in a lot of ways that's um, that's what the story uh, uh, the journey of the movie uh, tracks each of their separate paths the way they rustle, wrestle uh, with reality um, and they, they wrestle with it differently all, all of them all of the family members um, and then you know uh, they find strength in um, in coming together and 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 really that's you know a big part of the movie is how you know in the face of such incredible pain and loss what we have is each other um, and and beyond the family we have the families of, of other people who can understand that loss um, it becomes this um, family that no one wants to be a member of, but there are so many families who have endured this kind of tragedy, and um, there is community and there is comfort in um, in hearing each other's stories and in comforting each other as best we can. And so, what was the initial reaction to the family after they saw the finished product of the film? Oh, it was such a beautiful conversation, and I and I think we all were terrified the night that um, they decided oh, yeah. to watch the film for the first time. They're a big Italian oh, family, yeah. and they had like 20 people over for a screening at their house to watch it for the first time. Uh, so, but the overall reaction, I had a conversation with Linda, uh, who wrote the book, and her first reaction was, "You made a great film," and to have that sort of to, to have that reaction from someone who is trusting you with the worst days of their life, I mean, it's, there's just really no better feeling in the whole world that you did justice by these people who trusted you. Exactly. Now, I understand that Life After You has been nominated for several awards at the uh, Nice International Film Festival. Tell us about some of these nominations. There's some huge ones. Yeah, there are. So uh, Florencia Lozano uh, is nominated here in Houston for Best Lead Actress with two other uh, with two other women uh, in Nice International Film Festival. She is also uh, nominated for Best Lead Actress. The film has also been nominated for Best Feature, uh, for Best Director, which is cool, uh, Best Cinematography, <laughs> Best uh, Supporting Actress which is Catherine Irby, and Best Supporting Actor, which is Jake Ryan Lozano. So we feel really, really blessed that that is, mm-hmm. that it's getting that sort of attention. Well, here we are. This is, of course, Oscar uh, weekend, but you ladies are having your own <laughs> Oscar-type weekend. <laughs> My goodness, this is great. Absolutely fabulous. Well, now, uh, okay, so again, this the movie premieres later tonight at the Red World Fest there in Houston, and everybody can just go to uh, World Fest's website and 
sign up, do what you need to do. Everybody knows what to do. But your film has its own website, lifeafteryoumovie.com. And so when they go to that website, tell everybody what can they see, what can they expect, uh, just what type of information is there. So as soon as you pull up to lifeafteryoumovie.com, you will see the trailer of the film. We are also putting the uh, the laurels for the different festivals uh, on that main page that we're going to be going to. You'll see the cast and crew list and lineup and photographs. There are also behind-the-scenes photographs so people can take a little peek about uh, just different moments in the film. There is a page that we thought very important to add to the site, and that is uh, 1-800 numbers for people who are battling addiction, whether, you know, that's that's opiate addiction or, um, you know, alcohol, anything like that. We have several numbers on that page for people who need help uh, and giving them that help to reach out to them. Uh, that was part of our mission with this film is not only to create a true and good story, but for it to actually do some positive in the community and to provide an outlet for people who are in need in that area. That's wonderful to know. That that's, that really impressed me when I saw your site and had all of that helpful information. So it's entertainment, but also information as well. Uh, okay, I've got a couple of last questions here. Now, we know the film is making the round to film festivals in America and outside of America, but how can, are there, are there plans later on for the general public uh, to see it? Will it stream, or are you still working on that, or, or just what? So our distribution strategy uh, is kind of ebbing and flowing as we're just entering the festival circuit right now. What would be really lovely is that we have some distribution company come in and see the movie and they fall in love with it and they're like, yes, we, we, need, we need to get this out in the world in whatever way that happens, whether that's uh, streaming services, um, you know, DVDs are quickly becoming a thing of the past, but... Uh, the other aspect that we are really hoping for is to get it on this great educational platform called Canopy, and that's spelled with a K. Uh, and it is, uh, the platform goes to all the high schools, colleges, uh, it's just, it's provi it provides information uh, to students across the country. And uh, we're, we are really confident that we're going to be able to get it onto that platform on top of many other many other ones. Oh, that was wonderful, especially for, like you said, school-age kids, just students in general, to uh, see a film such as this and drive that message across mm -hmm. even further. Well, finally, uh, tell me, each one of you, what's next? What's your next project, acting, writing, directing, and uh, have you already started on it? You going to go first, floor? Okay, let me see think now um, you know as, as, as an actor writer uh, producer and especially now you know during this pandemic where we're sort of one foot in one foot out um, I, I have a lot of a lot of different projects sort of up in the air and it remains to be seen like for example with with, with theater and plays you know I'm a playwright and um, when theater will come back. I mean, I think, I think it will, um, but how it'll come back um, is, is a real uh, question. Um, uh, 
So it, it's an exciting time because it feels like pretty much one can do anything. You know, if you want to do a hybrid of a, 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 a play that also streams and, and has, you know, people from all around the world, you can do that. Um, so I right now am, um, am in, about to embark on a, a mini sort of writing um, project uh, the first draft is due in a couple weeks, um, which is um, looking at um, the driver economy um, and how Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are um, organizing to um, create um, their own um, app or driving platform because Uber and Lyft have not been really treating their drivers that well. Um, and you know, this, I guess this is another area where the pandemic has sort of, you know, opened all of these doors for people to think about how they, how they're even hired and how they work in a company. Like, all of the relationships that we sort of took for granted, like this is the way things work, are now being re-evaluated. Re, re so I'm interested to hear from these drivers sort of what they're interested in um, creating for themselves to be more, um, to benefit basically more from the work that they do. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing that in the next month. Well, that sounds like another project that, that is definitely needed to put the spotlight because, oh, my goodness, I have become so dependent on Uber and Lyft drivers. So, yes, I can't yeah. wait to see that project as well. Oh, thank you for doing that. So, Sarah, and what about what's your next project? Uh, so I wrote and actually will be directing my second feature film called A Stage of Twilight in two months. Uh, so deep in pre-production mode right now. That's going to be starring uh, Karen Allen, the actor from Raiders of the Lost Ark and Animal House. Uh, and the story is about a retired couple uh, who are enjoying life in their 70s, and one day uh, the husband gets uh, diagnosed with a terminal illness, and uh, he's unable to hide the unpleasant side effects that are now starting to show, and his, the reaction from his wife is... It's humiliating and devastating for him at the same time, and so he makes the, the decision that he is going to rent a trailer home and he is going to live out his days alone so that he can be remembered for who he was rather than who he is in this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really touching on the subject of end-of-life decisions and care and who really gets to make those decisions for you. Uh, but we're going to be filming that in New Milford, Connecticut, uh, between June and July. And the coolest thing about that project, uh, we had such, and Florencia Lozano is actually part of that project as well. She's going to be acting in it. Uh, the cool thing about it is that we had such a great crew on yeah. our current film, Life After You, that pretty yeah. much everybody is coming back on to the second project to be part of mm. it. And, you know, we're kind of like a little family of filmmakers, and that feels really, really safe and cool. Mm -hmm. That's really nice to hear when uh, everybody gets along when you're making these films and television shows. Yeah. And stuff. That's really good. Yeah, like one big happy family there. So, ladies, you, you both have multi-talents, and I guess you mm. probably get so many offers to do so many, to exercise those talents, but I am so, so thankful that I had the opportunity to chat with you, and again, 
Wolfest tonight. Your film is Life After You, 7.15 p.m. Central Time. Your website, again, is lifeafteryoumovie.com. And you got all these fantastic nominations for Wolfest and for the Nice International Film Festival. So let's just see which ones, maybe all of them, will, all of those nominations will become uh, winning categories for you. I think you so deserve yeah. it. So thank you for chatting with me. Oh, thank, thank you, Jana. Thank you so much, Janice. Okay. Thank you and very I, much. I look forward, hopefully, to talking to both of you again, because you're a big family, uh, when the next project is completed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Take care and enjoy. Enjoy the rest of Houston. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Sarah and Florencia. Uh, again, the film is Life After You. It has its own website, lifeafteryoumovie.com. Very important topic. Parents, grandparents, uh, kids who are, well, I won't say just kids, but young people, young adults who are in that age group, please Take the message seriously about what this film is saying and how it can impact and destroy uh, a person as, as well as their family. But if you go to the website, there's a lot of important information about if you're struggling or if you know someone struggling with any type of addiction. Lots of information right there where you can go get professional help. And so, again, I want to thank Florencia and Sarah for taking the time to uh, chat with me because their film is making its worldwide debut at the World Fest Houston Independent Film and Video Festival. It starts at 7.15 Central Time. So, uh Please go to their festival, their uh, film uh, website, the World Fest Houston's website, to get even more details and how you can watch the film as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. I want to thank all three of my guests, uh, Pete Morose from The Voice. Keep singing, keep knocking them down there, Pete, as you wind your way through the voice competition. And also, again, thank you to Florencia Lozano and Sarah T. Swab, multi-talented ladies, uh, regarding their very important and heart-wrenching film, Life After You. So enjoy Academy Awards weekend. You know, get all dressed up for your at your living room or in your den or your basement or the man cave or whatever. Get all dressed up and be at home with uh, family and friends. And just uh, maybe you need to put a tiara on if, if that's okay. If you want to, it's your Oscar weekend party. And what we will do is the same. And we'll see you guys on the next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Stay safe and have fun out there. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.